It's time for Cougar Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Postgame Live is brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. BYU's losing streak reaching four games in a row, losing as the clock hit zero. Conrad with a 33-yard field goal to lift East Carolina to the victory 27-24. Welcome in to Cougar Postgame Live. It is presented by Big O Tires. Go to BigOtires.com and make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires is the team you trust. Coming up on Cougar Postgame Live. We'll get you post-game sound from head coach Kalani Satake as well as players. As soon as they come to the podium downstairs, we will take you there. Obviously update you on some other action going on tonight, but uh, certainly a tough one for BYU. As we mentioned now, losers of four in a row. Their record now four and five on the season. And we were talking about this during a Cougar pregame live where This was such a pivotal game and an important game because of what you have remaining. You still have the game against Utah Tech. That's going to be win number five for BYU. You have that one, but you obviously need six to be bowl eligible. This was the game that you really needed to have to feel comfortable about getting bowl eligible this year. You have... Next week, you have to go to Boise. It's always been a very difficult place to play. Despite the Broncos starting out slow and getting into a slump, they have turned things around. They are playing much better, and you have to go there again. Always been a tough place for anybody to play, BYU included. And you know, with this being the final game of that series uh, that won't be played anymore. Remember, it was the 12-game series, then they added on a couple of games. Well, because BYU is going to the Big 12, that series, the remainder of it has been canceled. You know they're going to be amped for that, and they always are when they take on BYU. That is going to be a very difficult game. Then you have the bye week. So you have two weeks to prepare for Utah Tech. You almost wish that you had two weeks to prepare for either Boise or two weeks to prepare for Stanford. And some of you may say, well, Stanford, Stanford's not very good. Well, Stanford's winning a lot of low-scoring games right now, and you do have to go there. Hey, and don't forget, they're giving away free tickets, so who knows? Maybe there'll be a couple of fans in the stands. I bring this up simply to say that tonight's loss was bigger than the loss there's a real chance that BYU is going to struggle to get to the six wins. And after starting 4-1, and one, uh, that seemed just about impossible at the time. But this is the situation that BYU is in right now. Four and five on the season, and they need two more wins with three games to go in order to get the opportunity to go to a bowl. And look, the end result is the same. The loss is still the loss. But I, I don't know if any of you, as you were watching the game or listening to the game, if you if you kind of felt like that, this was different, however. This wasn't the blowout. This wasn't the Arkansas scoring 52 points. This wasn't, you know, the 38 unanswered from Liberty. This was a 27-24 game. So it, it wasn't the same types of issues over the last that we've seen over the last couple of games where opposing offenses were just scoring at will. That wasn't the case. Certainly a lot of yards uh, were... 
were put on the uh, stat sheet for East Carolina. I mean, look no further than Keaton Mitchell, uh, 21 carries for 176 yards. Again, I'm not saying any, any moral victory. That's not what I'm bringing up. It's, it's not anywhere near where I'm going. But this just this felt diff- this was a different loss than what we've seen over the last two weeks. Again, the end result is the same. A loss is a loss regardless of how it happens. And, you know, it really is it's, it's one of those things where, you know, BYU did a lot of really good things, um, especially in offense, running the ball. And how many times have we talked this season about BYU, the inconsistency in terms of being able to run the ball uh, effectively, and they did that tonight. 244 yards on the ground for the Cougars. Lopini Katoa, 20 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown, an average of almost six yards per carry. Jaron Hall, eight carries for 60 yards, an average of seven and a half. And this was really the first game in which we saw Jaron Hall utilizing the the his legs and the draw, which we saw several times, which is very successful for BYU. Then you had Miles Davis, 11 for 46, and then Pukunakua, 3 for 22. So you, you had one of those stats that BYU has really struggled with uh, that actually turned out to be a really big plus, and unfortunately, you can't use it to your advantage. Passing yards, only 144. Jaron Hall, 18 of 25 for two touchdowns. All right, we're going to take a break, come back. Uh, if we can go down to postgame sound from head coach Kalani Sataki. We will do that. Otherwise, we'll uh, get you a scoreboard update with some other action going on tonight in sports. BYU falls 27-24 to East Carolina. Back with more Cougar post-game live next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. East Carolina 27, BYU 24. Cougars have now lost four in a row. Their record is 4-5 and five after beginning the season 4-1. and one. East Carolina is on a, uh, quite the streak right now. This is now their third win in a row, and in back-to-back games, they beat uh, Central Florida, and now beat BYU, and uh, they're uh, they're needless to say they're uh, they're getting pretty loud on social media, enjoying this one, and look, and they should. Um, this was this was a big win for East Carolina, uh, and a really difficult loss for BYU tonight. Again, now four and five on the season. Next week they will be up on the uh, the blue turf at uh, Albertson Stadium, taking on the Boise State Broncos, looking to snap the four game losing streak. All right, only one other college football game going on tonight, and it's still going on. They're in overtime. Uh, Louisiana Tech at Florida International uh, in the first overtime. It is 27-27. If there's a chance to update that. I know you guys are all, uh, you know, patiently waiting uh, for this Louisiana Tech Florida International score, but hey, it's the only, literally, and I'm not just saying like top 25, the only game in top 25. It's the only other game in FBS being played tonight so uh, if there's a chance to give you a score if you're looking for a football fix I'll, I'll hook you up if there's an opportunity it is also game one of the world series they are in the top of the ninth inning in houston astros hosting the philadelphia phillies and early on through three innings it looked like houston was going to roll they scored two runs in the bottom of the second three runs in the bottom of the third but then in the fourth and fifth houston would or excuse me philadelphia would come back with three in the fourth two in the fifth it's now in the top of the ninth 
ninth, and we are all squared up at five runs apiece. Again, top of the ninth, there is one out, and the uh, Phillies at the plate. The Utah Jazz in action tonight. They were uh, across the Rocky Mountains in the Mile High City taking on the Denver Nuggets. These two teams met in the season opener. And to everybody's surprise, the Jazz took game one. The Jazz went into this game with a record of four and one. The Nuggets were three and two. The Nuggets getting the win 117 to 101. Denver now four and two. The Jazz picking up their second loss of this very young season. Uh, let's get you some other scores in the National Basketball Association. I thought for a second there was uh, going to be some postgame sound. I saw some people moving around, uh, but it looks like it's just some media members finding their seat. Uh, this game going on right now in Portland. Portland Trailblazers leading the Houston Rockets 89-76. Suns trailing at home to the Pelicans. New Orleans up by a point, 69-68. Hawks getting the win at Detroit, 136-112. The Magic winning at home over the Hornets, 113-93. to Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers winning overtime in Boston, 132-123. to 76ers winning in Toronto, 112-90. to Pacers defeat the Wizards in Washington by 10, 127-117. Bucks win at home over New York, 119-108. Timberwolves defeat the Lakers. They are 0-5. Speaking of L.A., Timberwolves get the win 111 to 102 and the Spurs defeat the Chicago Bulls 129 to 124. Let's look back in real fast on that uh, college football score and in the overtime uh, Louisiana Tech has just taken a touchdown lead at 34 to 27. The extra point is good so that is your score right now. Uh, I'm going to assume uh, that Louisiana Tech had the first possession so now Florida International will have an opportunity to see what they can do. We will take a break, come back, hope to hear from head coach Kalani Satake on the other side. BYU falls to East Carolina by three, a field goal at the end of regulation, 27-24, Pirates defeating the Cougars on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Jason Shepard for more Cougar Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Lavelle Edwards Stadium emptying out. I can see in the distance car lights as everybody heads home after the Cougars fall by 3, 27-24. East Carolina getting the victory tonight in Provo. The Cougars losing streak at four in a row. Busy day on campus tomorrow. Three teams in action all here within uh, about a half a mile of each other. Uh, Things start at 1 o'clock in the afternoon it's a matchup, WCC matchup at the Smith Fieldhouse. Number 17, women's volleyball, hosting the Portland Pilots. Again, that game at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. Also at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, and this is a, a stream online only, BYU Baseball is hosting the University of Utah, their last exhibition fall game. Uh, they've played Utah previously last weekend, so they get an opportunity to play some of these games, and usually BYU and Utah will work something out to play in the month of October. Uh, if you would like to come and see the Cougars and the Utes at Miller Park tomorrow, uh, first pitch is set for 1 o'clock. The uh, event is free, so you can come in and, and uh, find a seat and enjoy some baseball. Uh, I will have the call for you. Expected to go 12 innings tomorrow. 
Bell are going to go a little bit longer so that everybody can have an opportunity to pitch and hit uh, and uh, so they can get some time um, at the plate or on the mound. Um, I will have the call at 1 o'clock Mountain Time on BYURadio.org as well as the BYU Radio app. And then in the evening, Greg Rubel will have a call, and it is a massive game at Southfield for number 13 women's soccer. They are hosting number 23 Santa Clara. 6 o'clock Mountain Time, Greg Rubel and Rachel Manning-Jorgensen will have the call on the new skin at BYU Sports Network at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. So we've got women's volleyball for you at the Smith Fieldhouse. We've got BYU baseball versus Utah at Miller Park also at 1 o'clock. And then at 6 o'clock at Southfield, a uh, top 25 matchup between BYU and Santa Clara women's soccer. This one is going to go a long way in who wins the West Coast Conference. All right, that's going to do it. We'll take a break. We come back, uh, Greg Rubel. And Riley Nelson will take you the rest of the way with postgame comments from head coach Kalani Satake and players as Cougar Postgame Live rolls on on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Postgame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Greg Rubel. All right, still waiting for Kalani Sitake to take the press conference podium. As soon as he does, you will hear his postgame words. This, uh, it feels like in, in a lot of ways, Riley, the most disappointing of the four losses. And, and people might be scoffing, but I guess each loss having its own personality, losing 41-14, not really being in the game of Liberty is one thing. That's really disappointing. But this one seemed like it was more attainable, and it was a good team that came in. Uh, you kept a really prolific quarterback with a touchdown pass. You made key plays on defense when you needed to. It felt like it was right there to grab, and somehow BYU, BYU couldn't find a way to grasp it and end this three-game skid that is now four. Well, I think, and I think Kalani will notice this, one of the biggest reasons why this feels so disappointing is because it was on your home turf, right? We talked about, yeah, well, you know, BYU crossed two time zones to go to Virginia. Well, ECU turns around and crosses two time zones to come in here to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And as you already said, you knew it was going to be a good team, but you hoped that you were going to exercise some of the demons. And, and quite honestly, <laughs> what's getting frustrating is that, you know, finding new ways to lose. I, it's I, we'll, we'll have to kind of marinate on this or work through this in the post game. I can't point to any... I mean, you look at Notre Dame, and it was like, well, they couldn't stop Mayer in the first half, and Jaron's shoulder was hurt, right? Yeah. Then you look at Arkansas, it's like, well, they couldn't stop the passing effect. And then you look at Liberty, and you're like, well, they just kind of didn't have their heart in the game. This game, I, I don't know. There's no obvious thing that jumps out to me why they lost other than ECU played really good football, and uh, they were better in clutch moments than BYU was. It's trivial. Uh, the Cougars had never quite lost a game like this. Um, four times previously under Kalani, they brought a team from the Eastern time zone to play in the stadium in, in a night game, and they'd won every one of them and scored a lot of points in winning every one of them. Toledo, 55-53. Liberty, 31-24. USF, 35-27. Virginia, 66-49. And you had a two-time zone team come this way, played altitude, play at nighttime, play at a Tough place to play against a good football team and, uh, and and found a way to come away with the win. A lot of streaks, and again, they're trivial in nature. 
a lot of them ended tonight, whether it's the night games or home night games or Fridays or, or losing with this many rush yards or whatever you want to choose. But, uh, again, Cougars don't. They have no true giveaways. There were turnovers on downs, but they, they're not counted like turnovers in the true um, sudden change vernacular. So uh, they, they played a relatively clean game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, one of the unclean aspects was, was a pass interference penalty that essentially gave ECU the football game at the end of the contest tonight. Yeah, how many total penalties? Uh, it, I'm uh, trying to think of. They had, had a 12 four on the night, right? Yeah. Four, five, no, five for 50. Yeah. ECU had two for 20, and I think they both came in the first half. So a clean second half for ECU. And again, ECU is a top-five team nationally in fewest penalties and penalty yards per game. They're penalized two times for 20 yards, BYU five for 50. And that pass interference call puts them in uh, the closer field goal territory. And they needed to be close. And that kick at the end? Whether it was touched or not, did somebody made it was low flyer. Yeah, I saw uh, d- while Shep was doing his post game. I went out and they were playing some of the clips uh, as they had the truck feed from ESPN, and they had a different view than they showed on there. No one touched it. I mean, but I think he was not going to risk that ball going one way or the other. He kicked the middle of the ball. Uh, it probably was very well within blocking reach. Let's come back in 60 and see if Kalani takes the podium. We're taking a break on Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Still awaiting the post-game press conference appearance of BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. BYU falls to 4-5 and five on the year, and ECU improves to 6-3. and three. You know, four win Septembers have been uh, hard to come by, and that's what BYU did uh, just last month. Uh, BYU got through September at 4-1, and one, and, um, and, and as, as unusual as that is, or as hard as that is to do, they followed it right back up with a... Uh, with a, a winless October. And so for, for the same team to do those two things is, is remarkable in a very, uh, in a very displeasing way. But, uh, yeah, they, four and one followed by 0 and four. It puts you at four and five with Boise State coming up uh, next week. And uh, Boise starting to look like Boise again, which is the troubling thing from a BYU standpoint. Uh, early in the year, you thought, oh, maybe this is a Boise in a dip year. They had a, I think they, they made a, they made a quarterbacking change. They made a, they make a coaching change, an OC change. OC yeah. change, yeah. yeah. And so uh, all those things that led you to believe, eh, it's a different Boise team, but they start to look like themselves uh, once again, and they'll be bringing BYU in on a four-game skid next week. If BYU does not uh, come up with the upset, and certainly BYU will be a road underdog next week, if BYU doesn't come up with a road upset, they'll be a 4-6 and six heading into their FCS game, and that'll be against Utah Tech following the bye week. So you'll go Boise State bye week and then Utah Tech on the 19th. That'll be senior night or senior day in this case. Uh, if you get a win there, you're five and six. This is presuming you don't get it next week, of course. You're five and six. Then you need to go to Stanford to become bowl eligible. And it could be. I haven't done the uh, deep homework on Stanford's record, but they could be in a similar situation needing to get postseason eligible with a win on that same day. And, uh, and, and Stanford is a team that has played better of late, won back-to-back games, beat Notre Dame, a team that beat BYU. So that's really all you need to know, Riley. If a team that beat Notre Dame is a team on your schedule, that's going to be a challenging game. Well, and they're led by an RM who decided not to come to BYU. Yeah, and Tanner McKee. McKee who, yeah. you know, his recruitment was very hotly followed, and BYU thought they had him for a while. And uh, everyone who – and listen, I'm sure over the years, uh, you know, they're going to 
people have said things to him about, you know, why didn't you go to the church school and all that stuff? And you kind of log that away. Anyway, there's extra motivation, right? Whether it was Ben Olsen when he was at UCLA or Tanner McKee here, uh, you know, coming up against Stanford, there's going to be a little extra juice there. But that's going to be juxtaposed against the fact that, as Shep alluded to, they're having to give away free tickets just to get people there. But uh, one of the things, you know, we talk about the extra juice that might be there for a Tanner McKee. Uh, one of the things, and I touched on this last week's post game uh, against Liberty, that it looked like, and it was one of my keys to the game, was the passion that you have to, that is a prerequisite from playing high level football. I just was, you know, ECU, when that kick went through, they stormed the field. Now, they didn't have any fans here to storm with them. Of course, you don't do that on opposing, but like their players ran out on the field. Guys were throwing themselves out, like jumping, hugging. ECU and BYU don't really have any kind of meaningful history. So you wonder why did the, you know, why did this win means so much to these guys. Obviously, the Repu- BYU is a highly respected program. They're heading into the Big 12. For uh, East Carolina University, this is going to be a program-marking win and definitely one of the top wins of their season. But I mentioned it when ECU stopped BYU on the fourth down on the 12, as they were going in on the 12. And the entire sideline was just had just erupted with emotion. And then you saw it again after the game. It's been quite some time since I've seen that same level of passion, energy, excitement, and emotion uh, from this BYU team. But if they are going to salvage this season, if they're going to salvage a bowl win, if they're going to have any hope of winning in Boise or Palo Alto, they need to somehow reignite that fire. Yeah, that's uh, that's well stated, Riley. And, and uh you know, this was the night, to, again, it wasn't a typical get-right game, if you will, because of how ECU profiled coming into tonight. But when the game proceeded the way it did, it was it was a game that was there that could have helped to turn things around. And, and again, if you, if you win this game tonight, then your bowl eligibility is a foregone conclusion at that point. And you can start looking at the tail end of the season in a very different way. And now... Uh, you're needing a lot to go right just to finish the season at fi- above 500, which is what would happen at seven and six. But uh, you know that's again presuming BYU doesn't just start winning from this point on out. But the game at Boise next week will be challenging enough for sure. Uh, Jaron Hall tonight, um, uh, 18 for 25, for 144 yards, two touchdowns, uh, no picks, a solid enough pass efficiency rating. How do you think? Uh, and and he made a lot more noise with his legs than he had at any point this season. Eight for 60 and converted numerous uh, third downs and moved the chains pretty consistently. How do you rate Jaron's Hall, Jaron Hall's game tonight? Yeah, I love the fact that he was able to, you know, a quarterback and a leader has to do everything in his power to put his team in a position to win the game. They called three shots throughout the game. One, Jaron checked down. The other two he took off on, so that was great. But uh, I mentioned how low the ECU safeties were playing, but they were fast guys, and it went BYU, I, I will say, a, a couple a couple of their formations, and granted, I see them every day, and I get access to their practice film and some things like that. So uh, I'm not saying other defenses do it, but keep in mind these opposing defensive staffs are paid to do this. Early on in the uh, or in the first half, they had you know anytime they get in the red zone and they send trips into the boundary, look for they're running that that post flat wheel concept right that they've thrown touchdowns to to Isaac Rex, Ethan Erickson caught his first touchdown on it. They've been doing it for three years, right? This time ECU had it 100% gobbled up, and uh, the, the similarly they come out of for, they uh, come out under center. They run their play action concept. ECU was ready for that. So ECU seemed to be have BYU very well scouted in that their safeties were deep when they were accept, expecting shots and kept BYU out of shots. So you had the 30-yard touchdown pass to Puka Nakua, and then you had the uh, 
22-yard pass, I believe, to Braden Cosper, and those were the long passing plays of the day. That's not enough to get it done in a tight game like this. Kalani's at the podium now. Uh, tough game, back and forth, and uh, you're in the win, and, uh, you know, just the um, – I think they played a great game. I think uh, I was really proud of, of our guys, and compared to last week, I think the guys played a lot better. Um, but, you know, I think everything's looking at the – the result of the game more than anything, but I there's some positives that happened. Um, also, obviously, some negatives, and I'm sure you guys will ask me some questions about all the stuff, and I, I don't mind answering them. But the uh, you know this is where the the the, uh, the culture of the team is actually supposed to thrive the most. So uh, I feel I feel really good about our team, our core values, our principles in the team, and um, yeah, I think the players are going to get better from this and we'll respond well and we'll be ready to go next week. Um, obviously, it's supposed to hurt and uh, the struggles, adversity is, is a tough thing, but uh, proud of our players and how hard they played. Um, and just, you know, unfortunately, we were able to get the win, but uh, love these guys and love their attitudes and thought they played um, really hard. Um, but, you know, we just... just uh, um, not well enough to, to, to beat East Carolina tonight. And so uh, we'll, we'll get back to work and, and uh, fight some more and get, get ready for Boise next week. And so, um, you know, th- this is the – obviously going, going through a, a, a losing streak here and, and the only way to, to turn it around is to love each other, focus on each other, stick to our core values and our principles and, and uh, allow the, the culture to take over, which is uh, in this time. I think you get defined by your – with your culture when things go really bad and then uh, compared to sometimes success can mask some of the issues. And so uh, this kind of exposes a lot of it. And I'm really excited about uh, correcting things and getting things back back to where we can play at our best and, and execute better and as a team, all three phases, and uh, look, forward, look forward to getting that done next week. So, And uh, starting to work as soon as I get done with this press conference. So any questions you guys have? The third and fourth and short in the fourth quarter really killed you. Two fourth down yeah. stops, third down drop where you're not, not able to get a third and mm-hmm. short. What what happened? Yeah, it's just a lack of execution. And it seemed like third, third and short and fourth and short is our nemesis right now. And, and if that's the case, and, and looking at analytics and all that stuff, um, I mean, you, you know, if we are not able to execute and and uh, convert those, then, then uh, we can't just keep going for it on fourth down all the time, you know, so... Uh, that, that's my job as head coach. I make those decisions, and um, you know we're at the point now where, where uh, I think you can look at it and say, well, we, sh- this, we should be able to get this first down. And you know, I think look at it from both sides. They they did the same thing, went for it, and, and uh, it just came down to who had the ball at the end and and who had a, a, a chance to kick a field goal to win the game. You know, and, and I think looking at it, and I have to look at at my part as a head coach and the decisions I made and own up to it. But I but I. Um, like I said, I think there's things we can build off of from last week to this week and things that we can get better and, and, and improve on going forward. So, Is there any consideration to kick a field goal on your last trip to the red zone? Yeah, now in hindsight, looking back at it, of course. I mean, that's um, – I think maybe when it was a, f- a little bit longer than than, than an than a, a actual one yard, you know, it's a little bit – I think it's a full two yards or, or close to it. Um, yeah, that, that's that's my fault. And um, just felt like we could have got that. It felt like there was some good momentum. And, um, 
yeah, so just just uh, next. I think and Jake had made one earlier, you know. So um, and it seems like he's been kicking well and kicking, kicking the ball on kickoffs, been kicking well. So uh, yeah, that's that's something that that, that I I could have done differently and better as a head coach in, in that decision. Kalani, how, how tough is this loss knowing that the, the defense rose up? They got those stops in the fourth quarter. Just yeah, did they showed that progress and still come out with a losing it. Well, I think that that's that's a you have to build off of off of some of the things. I mean, our culture is love and learn, so you have to build off of uh, some of the things. And the, and but some of that is the, is the positivity too, praising what was done well, and then and then correcting the things that that w- weren't. And so, um, doesn't matter the phase; it just matters that our approach is that we we learn from it. And uh, you know, and that goes for coaches too. It's just not just the players, but the players' effort and and. Um, I felt they just had a different sense of urgency tonight. And you guys saw it. You guys watched the game. And so you, you see that I think uh, last week, I, I think a lot of guys could have quit, you know. And um, this week, a lot of guys, you saw that their answer was to keep playing. And we had we banged up. I mean, we, we had to play without a, a bunch of guys again. And, and tonight, unfortunately, we had um, some more injuries that happened. And, um, you know, and I think that's what caused a – you usually have your punt team with the backups ready – we had 12 guys lined up, and it was because we had, you know, we went through three guys in, 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 on our on our special teams with with some of the depth that we lost today. And so, uh, it's at the tail end of the year, and guys are banged up. Nobody's going to feel sorry for us and our, in, our injured players. But um, you know, we, we I was really proud of the guys that stepped up and got significant reps, especially for the first time. You know, and, and um, overall, I thought the effort was really, really good. And East Carolina is a really good team, you know. They they uh, they well coached and um, they play really hard and they were they're up for the challenge of coming out here to Pro Bowl and playing in this game. And I think Coach Houston's done an amazing job. He, he's done that. He's has that in his past of of getting his teams ready. And and uh, it was a hard fought game and they they, they, they deserve to get the win. And and uh, we didn't do enough, but um, it was it was really cool to get on the on the field and compete. And that that's. Uh, that's a huge compliment to their, them and their program. Kalani, on the fourth and two where you went for it instead mm-hmm. of took the field goal, some people might ask why you didn't put the ball in your best player's hands, either Puka or Jaron Hall. You gave it to you know, a backup running back. What, what did you think of that play call? Yeah, I mean, that, I think we have to evaluate all of it. I, I think that's a fair question, Jay. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of the evaluation process is did we make the right decision? Everywhere, where the play call, the personnel, all that stuff, and and yeah, I, I mean, I had to own up to my stuff that we went for it, and, and I don't know. I wish I had, I wish I had a hundred pukas on our team right now, you know. But um, I don't know. That that that's something that we have to we have to talk about and and, and evaluate. Running the ball forty-two times. Was there an emphasis to kind of help the defense out a little bit in time in terms of time of possession? No, I think there was a honestly there was a um, from film and what we saw there, there was an opportunity that we could run the ball against against East Carolina. We and, and it was a challenge to our offensive line, especially from last week. Like, hey, you guys are, are all these experienced and tough guys up front. Let's let's create some some holes and some gaps for our run game. Um, and obviously, Chris Brooks wasn't able to go, but but Lopini and Miles and um, you know the, the run game even with Jaron. Uh, started to look good, and Puka running the ball as well. So, and then we we were able to throw some screens and things like that. I think they they show that they can bring a lot of pressure um, and disrupt and and uh, 
you know, I think that was the game plan to try to get the ball spread out in different ways and and also where we felt like we can get there's a couple plays just like one missed tackle away from really breaking it through and and um, you know we'll, we'll watch the film get better uh, but I think that's kind of a mindset I think they had maybe a similar mindset as well last couple questions coach on that <clears throat> the last play um, on the fourth and eight with the way the defense is playing in the fourth quarter the call didn't go your way. How frustrated was that in that moment, knowing that you guys were maybe anticipating getting the ball back? Yeah, frustrated. I thought that maybe they were going to go for a, uh, a long field goal, being in altitude, you know. Um, and then when they were ready to go on offense, I was excited because that means we get a stop and get the ball right there with some time. And, and that that's that'll get Jaron and Puka and all them chomping at the bit. And so, um, yeah, that was frustrating. But I mean. The, the play before, I think we, we could have got a, a nice pick on it. I don't know exactly what happened there, but uh, they disrupted our, our corner on the play. And this one, it just went – I didn't see the I, I didn't see the play on on replay or slow motion or anything like that. But the referees are doing their job. They're, they're trying to do their best. And so we, we just got to keep playing. I mean, we I was proud of the team stuffing them and, and, and forcing them to kick a field goal. And we try to get, get guys there and then – I don't know if the kick was that high or whatever, but it went up the uprights, and so it counts for three points. And credit to them for centering the ball and getting their their kicker the best opportunity to, to win the game. So, I try to I try to try to uh, freeze them a little bit. It was getting it was a little chilly out there, you know. And but sometimes you, you call the timeout early just so they don't get free kicks on 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 the ball. And so we called it early enough where he wasn't able to just teams. If you call a timeout just to to ice the kicker, they'll snap it and kick it anyway. So. Uh, that's why the timeouts were called a little earlier. You gave up 227 yards on the ground. Yeah. And, and a lot of blockers are getting to the second level and being able to disrupt and open up those lanes. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you try and stop that? I know you're banged up. But. Yeah, I think that, but a lot of it is the um, the shape of the defense, too. You know, a lot of the plays are, were bouncing, and, and um, the initial gaps up front were taken care of. And then uh, credit to their running back bouncing the ball opposite end. And gaining some yards on it, and they had some fast backs that could actually, you know, get outside the edge, and um, not having the shape of the defense correctly, and not taking the right pursuits, uh, angle pursuit for our for our, our, our run stop. That's that's part of that there, and we had some new guys playing, and but um, still, we, that that's execution right there. So we we've got we've got to be better. So many plays already get extended from um, just whether it's missed tackles or. Um, Missed assignments, and and, and uh, we had to do a better job coaching our guys and making sure that they're in a better position for success. All right, thank you. All right, guys, thank you. All right, uh, Kalani Sitake, Puka Nakua next here on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's pause 10 seconds for station ID on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. ECU 27, BYU 24, our final score. Tyler Batty and Puka Nakua at the press conference podium. Let's join in. Different game, you know, uh, last week to this week. So, um, guys, guys, yeah, just we, we got a bunch of competitors, man. They want to win. They want to do their part. So, Puka, when the fourth and two, when you guys didn't go for the field goal, 
and uh, Miles Davis was stopped. And then also on the third and two when they went to Mason Lake, were you disappointed that you didn't get a chance to touch the ball on those key plays? Um, no, definitely not. I, I, I trust everybody that out there on the field and um, on the, a lot of the, our, our motions and stuff. Uh, they, they did a good job of making sure they located me. So I felt like uh, there were plays where <clears throat> I have the opportunity to make the play and there's a there's play calls where uh, uh, it's my job to draw de- extra defenders so somebody else can get open. So were they doing anything different defensively in that fourth quarter? Because it seemed like you guys found yourselves a little bit in that second, even somewhat in that third as well. Did they change anything, do anything different, or was it just execution? Yeah, I, I'm looking here, and I, I, I'm seeing 6 of 13 for third down conversions. Um, as a wide receiver, that's money down for us, whether it's it's third and two or third third and long, uh, third and seven plus. Like it's, a, it's our job to convert or at least get us uh, to a fourth down, uh, a reasonable fourth down, and then also 0-2 for fourth downs. Obviously, that's two big ones. We, we don't go for it a lot on fourth downs, especially when we're close to the red zone. So <clears throat> just it comes back down to, to execution. Uh, not bad pay calls. It's stuff that we practice during the week, uh, stuff that we've been prepared for, just stuff we didn't execute on. Tyler, you're out there with a bunch of guys, you know, you had a lot of injuries, a lot of guys out. Guys got hurt during the game and had to leave. To hold up 27, not great, but still, what did you think of everybody stepping into to some of those roles, some of those guys trying to figure things out? Yeah, again, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of those guys uh, that, that have stepped in and just are, are willing to do uh, whatever it takes to, to help the team win. Um, so really, really proud of those guys. Um, yeah, we just needed, you know, Couple more stops there, and and you know could have ended up different. So, Tyler, you've been one of the leaders on the defense, <clears throat> and these young guys coming in today. What do you say to them to keep them motivated? And having to step up in such a large role with injuries. I think I think we have a good team culture, um, a good locker room culture where it is just it's next man up, and and everyone's again <clears throat> everyone wants to do what they can to help the team, um, and so and so guys stay ready uh, for that opportunity. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, it's not, you know, um, maybe not a perfect performance, but you know, they're, they're out there giving it all they have. Anything else for these two? Tyler, how hard was that fourth and eight, the PI call, I mean, get the ball knocked away and then have to yeah. go back out. Yeah. Um, Hey, we, we, we love to play football. So any, any opportunity we get to be out on that field, um, as a defense, right. Uh, you know, we love it. Even though our job is to get off the field, um, but uh, yeah, you know that was that was that was tricky. Uh, would have loved to, you know, see it, see it, see a different uh, see a different outcome. But all right, thank you. All right, let's stay here with it. Uh, we will next hear from Lopini Katoa on the podium. That may be the final BYU player from whom we hear. And then we'll hear a few minutes, or like a minute and a half maybe, of uh, Mike Houston, the head coach of ECU. And then we will wait for Kalani Zitake to join us on the headset, either from his locker room or from here in the broadcast booth. So that's what's still to come. ECU defeats BYU by a final score of 27-24 today. Uh, BYU turned around a few stats that had been uh, bedeviling the Cougars of late. Uh, the Cougars had more first downs. The Cougars snapped more plays. The Cougars had more possession time. The Cougars ran the ball very, very well. 244 rush yards. Normally that number is lock solid for Kalani, especially at home. BYU never run for 200 yards in a game at home and not won a game uh, before in the uh, Kalani era. The first loss of that uh, type happened here tonight. 
in front of a 55,000 and change. The final attendance number this evening was 55,525. Let's head that back down to the podium, and uh, Lopini Katoa is there to answer questions. Lopini, on the one hand, great game, 116 yards, good touchdown. On the other hand, still didn't go your way. So how does those two things kind of come together? Yeah, I feel like the uh, the loss always hurts more than, you know, because all the good efforts are leading towards you know, just trying to win for for the team, for the boys. So it's, I guess, you know, it's bittersweet. Talk to Kalani about the fourth and third, fourth down, fourth and short, third and short. Weren't able to convert some key ones in the fourth down, in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. What's that like for you as a running back for the offense, see the, see the guys when you're not able to, to get those yards? It's tough. Um, and, yeah, it's just those are the times where, you know, us as running backs, we like to have pride and try and say, you know, give us the ball in those short yardage and we'll pick it up. And things, you know, we didn't um, when we needed to. And so, yeah, it's tough. Penny, when you when you guys took over with just under four minutes left, even though you were pinned at your nine-yard line, did the offense there think this is our moment, this, we can take this down and win this ball game? Yeah, the feeling in the huddle, like I was looking around and everybody, you know, everybody wanted it. You know, we're at a point in our, our season where we're like we're our backs are against the ropes right now and I looked around and I felt the I felt that everybody wanted that to, to make the play and, and to get it done and it just didn't happen tonight. Going into that drive, did you feel like that was one of the most important drives of the season that you've had up until this point? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely we knew what, um obviously when it's in the moment it's just one play at a time and do your job, um, get it done, but Everybody knows, um, you know, it, we're trying to get back on track and stuff. So, yeah, it was a huge moment for us. Well, Pete, what were you guys seeing that you you felt like you could run pretty effectively on that defense over there? Because it seemed like Miles had a couple good carries. Yeah. Third downs and fourth downs notwithstanding, but Jaron ran the ball pretty well. He could run the ball well. Like, it seemed like a pretty good run effort, I guess. Yeah, we, we worked on it a lot this week in practice. We, we definitely wanted to establish the run game and, and uh, pick it up from where it's been um, the past few weeks. And so, I mean, I, I knew what was going to happen when we came into the game. Miles knew what was going to happen. We all knew. And so it was just a matter of um, running behind the big fellas. They played, you know, they played great. They worked hard. They have plays that they want back like all of us do. But, um, yeah, I'm proud of the, the big fellas up front. Pini, what's this like for you? This isn't how you envisioned the season going. What, what's it like for you as you try and you know stay focused, stay in it, you know keep keep the team moving forward? Yeah, it's it's weird. You know, when I first got here, um, experienced similar adversity, and and it's kind of come full circle. And it's weird because I it there's so much talent and uh, potential. Like the potential of this team is is huge, and so it's just it's a weird feeling. But there's a lot of guys who were here when uh, you know we we were in a slump, and we you know we got out, we dug ourselves out, and I know that we're not going to fold. You know we're going to keep working. You're going to see improvements every week because that's just the character of this team. You know, nobody imagined that we'd be in this situation. I'm coming into this year, and so, um, but it is what it is, and we just got to respond in the best way possible. Okay, thanks everyone. <laughs>
All right, that's uh, Lopini Katoa uh, at the press conference podium. We will take a break. We will come back, hear from Mike Houston, the head coach of ECU, and Kalani Sitake will also join us on the headset and chat with us from the BYU uh, broadcast booth. He'll be down in his locker room area. That's still to come. 27-24 ECU over BYU, our final score on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. The Cougar Postgame Coaches Show is brought to you by Larry H. Miller Auto, conveniently located in Provo, Linden, and Orem. Larry H. Miller Auto, driven by you. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. And the first coach from whom we will hear during the Larry H. Miller Cougar Postgame Coaches Show is the head coach of the ECU Pirates, Mike Houston. He wins his 100th college game tonight now 147 20 and 22 at ecu kalani sitake will soon join us on the headset but we will hear about uh, two minutes worth of what coach houston had to say we kind of jumped into his post game availability which was happening on the field and so a little different location from where we thought it would be but uh, intern shiler johnson got out there onto the field and got these comments from head coach of the pirates mike houston down in there gave us the advantage um, and for us to get stopped right there, then the defense has to answer. And I thought they did a great job getting the stop, getting the ball back for our offense so they can drive and win the, win the ball game. You know, with this with this bye coming up, um, I'm, I'm we sure need it's, it. Right, I know Holy it's much, cow. but does it at the same time suck a little bit when you guys are playing no. so well? I don't know if we could play. I don't know if we could play next weekend. We we've got we got to get some kids some rest and just uh, you know you know kind of get regrouped. Okay, you know we're bowl eligible, so that's check that off. Uh, so that's you know that's you don't want that monkey on your back anymore. So and we're bowl eligible before November, um, and then we've got you know we've got some big ball games coming up. You know Cincinnati, Houston, and Temple. I mean that's as big as it gets. Uh, and you know so you worry about the, what's next, and that's Cincinnati. So we'll start getting ready for them tomorrow, and uh, you know see what happens. Was Keaton dinged up a little bit on that last drive? Just seeing yeah. just Marlin out there. And... No, he got he got dinged up a little bit. He's fine. Uh-huh, I mean, right. it, it won't be anything that holds him out. Um, but, uh, you know, the great, the great thing is Marlon, you know, he's going to be really good. He's, he's going to get better with every snap he gets. But for a freshman, a true freshman, we talked, he and I talked about it in the locker room. I said, would you have ever imagined in your true freshman season that you would be on the field in the fourth quarter, game-winning drive, and you're the guy? <laughs> and he's, he's like, no, I, you know, never, never would have imagined that. But, it, but you trust him, and he came through. Great job with ball security. He did a great job seeing the cuts. Running behind his pads, uh, get positive yardage, and he, you know, he's the re- he's the big reason we got down there in uh, in field goal range. Yeah, like you said, ball security, right? Just hold on to oh, that no thing. And... <laughs> no, nobody had a turnover. No turnover. Did they? Yeah, no, no. we we screwed that up. We should have had one. So anyway, there we go. All right, All right. thank you. Appreciate you guys being here. Appreciate it. All right, that's uh, Mike Houston, head coach of the ECU Pirates. His team defeats BYU by a score of 27-24. Not sure if or when these teams will ever cross paths again, in which case ECU owns the series lead, if not series win, two games to one. BYU won here in 2015. BYU lost at ECU in 2017, and the Pirates win this one here in the year 2022. This is the Larry H. Miller Cougar Post Game Coaches Show, brought to you by Larry H. Miller Auto, conveniently located in Provo, Linden, and Orem. Larry H. Miller Auto, driven by...
by you. We'll take a break. We'll continue as we uh, await the appearance of Kalani Sitake on the headset. Head coach of the Cougs will join us. His Cougs fall to ECU by three tonight. BYU now in the Sitake era, eight and eight in games decided by a field goal or less. We're taking a break on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Larry H. Miller, Cougar Postgame Coaches Show continues. Time for our valuable stat of the game brought to you by Economics Partners. Whether for tax financial reporting, or strategic purposes. When your business needs a valuation, the right partner is Economics Partners. Learn more at econpartners.com. And tonight's valuable stat of the game is actually valuable the other way, and we'll explain it this way. ECU coming in two tonight was ranked 115th in team pass efficiency defense, 119th in pass yards allowed, and have been allowing 280.5 pass yards per game. BYU on this night, Riley, managed only 144 passing yards and only two passing gains of 15 yards or more, so only two big plays through the air, a 30-yarder to Puka for the touchdown and a 22-yarder to Braden Cosper. So that was it for a team that had been pretty well cut apart through the air. They were able to keep that part of BYU's offense in check and come out with the win tonight. Now, BYU ran for 244. Normally, that number is really good for a win. It wasn't tonight, and maybe it was the pass game that was lacking the complementary components on this evening. I just think back to when BYU, we've talked about the you know the start versus the the current, and what was going on when they started 4-1. and one. They were getting chunk plays down the field i i don't uh probably during the break i should have been doing a little bit more research but i don't have it but i I remember those numbers of big plays being you know five six uh, somewhere around there pass plays of 20 yards or more and keep in mind that's not just that the ball's got to travel it also means catch and run and some of that stuff but to only manage that against ECU, who was, did not sit back and drop eight. You know, I, I kept mentioning how tight their safeties were playing. Now they did a good job mixing it up, but it wasn't like they were trying to keep everything from BYU in front of them. BYU just couldn't shake loose and obviously couldn't get behind them. Jaron Hall uh, tonight ends up going uh, 18 for, was it 18 for 25? 18 for 25, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a buck 44. Uh, two touchdowns, uh, no picks. And so... Uh, yeah, he was percentage-wise, he was right there. Uh, you know, was careful with the ball. Two more touchdown passes uh, for Jaron. Uh, just wasn't a big volume night that way for BYU. Let's head down to the Cougar locker room area, and Kalani Sitake is on the headset. Kalani, can you hear us? Okay. Yeah, I got you. All right, uh, Greg and Riley upstairs. Thanks for joining us for a segment. We'll keep it to one segment tonight. Uh, you've already spoken to the other media. Uh, you've had time with your team. You've been alone with your thoughts. Uh, has anything else uh, kind of bubbled to the surface that uh, comes to mind after you uh, went through tonight? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot, but probably not not enough time in the one segment, you know. But <laughs> um, but I I, I am, uh, uh, you know, just like everybody else. I, I think um, I understand the frustration and some of the same issues that are happening, and so uh, just trying to get that fixed and trying to get it done before next week. And and, and it's a it's a it's a frustrating process right now, but. Uh, you know, committed to getting this done, and and uh, I've said it before: the fans and and the players they deserve. That's my responsibility. Is that I, I have to answer to the fans and I have to answer to the, to the players, and and that's my my mindset is is getting our guys 
executing at a higher level. And, and we, I thought this week way better than last week, right? But not still not good enough to get the win. And um, so we'll, we'll keep focusing on execution, but also getting better with our strategy, you know, and just making sure that we can execute but also make plays. And that's – it's frustrating, but um, – there's some things to keep working with, and, and, and all I know is that we, we still have another opportunity to play. I know I know one thing is just get, get, get work done and, and work hard and but exhaust myself in, in, in the work, and then when we do that, hopefully we can I can help this team find a win next week. Before you came on, Kalani, we kind of uh, detailed how uh, ECU had been victimized a bit through the air by their opponents this year. Were you surprised that it ended up being such a run-heavy and rush yardage predominant night for BYU and that BYU really didn't take to the air a lot against this susceptible team in ECU uh, on pass defense? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, and, and, and I like the ball in Jaron's hands. I, I like, uh, you know, I like doing things, whatever we can, to get points on the board. And so... Um, yeah, I, I, obviously we didn't do enough to get more points on the board, and that that's my only emphasis on on offense and defense. Is, it's getting points off the board for defense, but also uh, we're in a situation where we've got to find a way to stop the the dang run, you know. And and, um, and uh, some of that is missed tackles, some of it is guys missed assignments, but it doesn't get much simpler than what we're trying to do as an execution level, uh, you know, when in terms of our our play calls, and and so. Um, it, there's a bunch of stuff that goes into it, but that that's the things that we're trying to work on, and and uh, we need to see some change every week, and, and um, that that needs to take place. Coach, I was surprised. Uh, well, maybe not surprised, but you saw the reaction from their sideline and their entire team. And granted, it's a hard-fought game that they win as time expires on a field goal attempt, right? But this game, you wouldn't think without much history between an East Carolina and a BYU, I wasn't expecting that much you know, jubilation, excitement. After they went in the locker room, they all got their phones, they came back out onto the field and took pictures. You could tell this game meant a whole lot to those guys. Talk about the role that, that emotion plays in players, and then and then more specifically, uh, the, your, do you think your team has a full understanding that no matter who's on the, even if the logo is not familiar to them, BYU is a big brand to every opponent, and they're getting everybody's best shot. Yeah, and and, and I think it's the um, understanding that um, you know that you're going to get everyone's best shot. You, you know, you played here. That's that's just part of the the deal when you play BYU, and so. You have to make sure that you have your best shot ready to roll, and and um, and that's my job. That's what I got to do. I, I got to get them ready, you know. And and um, me and the this coach staff. That's what we have to get done. And and we are not doing a good enough job right now. And so, um, yeah, that that's that's got to be the, the the answer. And and there's just more into it. There's so much. There's so many people that have that have poured out their blood, sweat, and tears on that field. For our players to not give give enough, you know, and I think the players are they're, they're working hard, but they need to realize that everybody's coming after them, and 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 whatever it is, East Carolina beat UCF, was going to the Big Twelve. Now they beat us, that's going into the Big Twelve. I'm pretty sure they're excited to play Cincinnati. You know that this is they're they're creating a narrative even in their mind, even if it's not true. It is the perception is reality to them, you know, and and. Uh, we we need to do that as well, and and um, hard to do that when you're just caught up in social media the entire time, and and uh, we just got to get our guys right, and that's that's my job. I I got to need make sure that they're 
come with a great mindset and, and are ready to roll. And I think last week was, I said it before in the press conference, a lot of easy to quit from last week's performance. This week, the guys played hard, harder, played yeah. better. Um, now we got to keep executing and, and, and keep building off of it. But still not good enough, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's where I come in. Yeah, Coach, um, I, I agree. The the effort and uh, I think the intensity and passion brought to the game was uh, there was quite a contrast between this game and last. And hey, look, college football's uh, tough, and and you're right. They have with UCF and BYU down. They've got Cincy and Houston remaining. One last thing before I, I kick it back over to Greg is: uh, was there a concerted effort or anything mentioned uh, to Jaron to use his legs? I love that addition to this offense. It seemed to, you know, kind of let the offense breathe a little bit more. He was able to convert some third downs. It took some pressure off everybody. I felt like obviously not enough to get the job done. But was that something that evolved naturally or a, a strategic effort that was planned throughout the week? Well, I think he realizes how important it is for him to that if he plays at his best, we have the best shot of playing, of winning. And uh, what he does best is create with his legs, and he's got a great arm, don't get me wrong, but it's a total package and the total threat of of what he can do on the field. And so that has to be his everyday presence is, is being able to use his legs. And uh, you can see when he did that, ran out of bounds and, and, and slid when he needed to, that he actually protects himself even more by by being decisive and doing things like that. And I was proud of him. He played really hard. Um, got hit a couple times when he shouldn't have, but um, he's a tough kid. And and we just keep building off of that. You know, it was good to see him doing that. From my perspective, it was nice to see that. And and uh, we just need everybody to to do what they're the best at. You know what I mean? And being their best self and committing to doing that and make sure it shows up every week. A lot of focus on some late drives, but I thought a key point too, Kalani, was late in the first half. You got the ball with a chance to own the middle late. You got that possession with 2.36 to go in the second quarter, and it was a three and out, and then, of course, ECU kind of let the half expire at that point, but it was a chance there to maybe take a bit of the game under control because you're going to get the ball to start the second half, and then when you scored that touchdown to open the third quarter, you know, you, you've been good to start second halves lately, so I thought it was maybe maybe a chance that went begging there at the very end of the first half. Yeah, and and felt like we were in a good good swing, good momentum there, and no one gave up too many big plays on on defense, and and allowed them to march down and 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 get the equalizer and and, and put, <laughs> tie up the score, you know, at twenty four, and and then and then we just it was just kind of a back and forth going for it on fourth down for both sides, and then whoever ended with the ball last, you know. And yeah. I, like I said, I was excited when they went for it on fourth down. That means that I just didn't want us to get a pick. I wanted to bat the ball down, and we'd get the ball right there. And be, I mean, Jake's got a strong leg. I felt like we had in a good position with, with two timeouts, and I just didn't get that opportunity. And credit to them. They made the plays, and, and they got the field goal, and, um, and, and they deserved to win. And I, yeah, and I know one you're thinking about, too, is you know, when you have the ball for eight minutes – 14 plays and 68 yards you want to get something out of it and the fourth and two got nothing out of it and I guess when you have the ball that long and that many plays you want to and and the decision comes down to we're going to try and make two yards or or, or take three what was your thought process at the time yeah I think um, from now on you know just just going with points and and getting uh, that's the wise thing to do and and um, yeah I think we got caught up in the analytics I did and that, that was my decision you know and um, not sure if if we're going to keep struggling on converting these fourth downs and shorts and, and third and shorts that that we're, we can keep going off of that. I think I think that's just putting us in a bad position. And um, 
yeah that that's something that that's one that i i definitely regret and i can i can learn from but i own that one as well and i know you thought that quarterback sneak with jaron hall on that fourth and really short was was a good play on tempo just didn't get the spot and and that, that was a tough one too yeah it just got to convert i mean that's you know i i, I wasn't the, the ref he was on the spot and that's just when you when you don't convert and you give a ref a chance to make the spot they're human they're going to go off of what they see so it's it's not their fault it's our fault we we got to get that done and and um you know i, I think I'm, not to be cruel or anything but if we can't convert fourth and ones then we don't deserve to win you know and 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 uh, that comes a, it's a gut check time and so um there's times that we've been in tight games and got fourth and one and won the game and these were those times where we needed to execute and get it done and and then um you know, it just didn't work out, and then that's the reason why. Why is it not working? And I, I'm 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 committed to getting it done and figuring it out and making sure that we uh, do better. How could you have avoided that pass interference call that set them up for the game winner? Um, you know, I had to watch the film. I, I think the the post player was there, so really didn't need much from. Uh, the corner, I think they called it on Caleb. Yeah, they they did, yeah. Coach. That's what I saw, too. I was like, man, he had safety help. I don't know why he, he maybe panicked a little bit or felt yeah. like he got desperate. It's a panic time. I think the play before, I think he, he had a pick, and, and, and for some reason, I can't remember. I think he got tripped up or something, someone said, and. It's just, yeah, he did. It, it was it was two plays before, but yeah. you're right. He was tracking the ball, and as the receiver fell down to the ground, their legs got tangled up, and he would have had a pick had their legs not been tangled up. But yeah, and that's the that's the game. You know, you just got it's a game of inches and a game of opportunities, and and um, they they made the most of theirs, and we didn't. And so uh, I felt like we had a strong presence in this game, physical, tough, but. I just couldn't pull out the win. And um, with that being said, love the fans. Appreciate them for being here. I apologize that, that it didn't go the way that, that, that we all wanted. But the guys work hard and they love playing for the fans. And then, so I hope they know how much we appreciate them. And I know that they're frustrated, and, and, and uh, but we, we truly love them and appreciate the support and had some great things said to us after the game by some fans. So I... Uh, you know, we, we, we're committed to getting it done and getting things performing better for our fans, especially the ones that are going to be up in Boise. But thank you for the ones that showed up tonight. Yeah, Coach, I thought the crowd was great too. And uh, to bring things back around more positive, I thought Lopini Katoa was great. You got anything to say about his play? Yeah, I, th- I thought the guys played really well. And Lopini played tough and was able to put his head down and make some plays, make some guys miss. You know, And we just didn't do that enough as a team to extend drives and get first downs and get get points. I mean, there's there are a lot of shoelace tackles that, that uh, if we could break those, it, it becomes more points on the board. And, and credit to ECU, they, they made the plays. Uh, they didn't, they made more than we did. And so we'll, we'll go back to what we're, what our, our our principles and core values are built on, and that's our culture. And, and uh, it's very gospel-driven, so we're going to find ways to be better in, in all aspects of our life. Work hard and 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 put it to work and and uh, right now the you know, it's easy to to lose faith but I, I feel like these guys are, are going to be tested and I think they'll our, our boys will come out of this adversity even better and and they'll make our program better so it's tough times right now and and, and 
you know, tough people last, not tough times. And so we're going to last through this and get better. And hopefully to get better means perform better for next week in front of our fans in Boise. But uh, really love, love and appreciate all the fans that, that, that support us. Kalani, the same team that uh, won four games in September, which is hard to do, just went through a winless October. And, and that, that feels, you know, hard in its own different and terrible way. But what do you, what do you hope for November from this football team that you're coaching? Well, I think the, the, the hard part is that there's that sour taste of, of losing, and it could create a huge um, uh, a huge problem where the slump happens over and over and over again and guys lose effort. And, and that's we have no chance if, if guys don't care. And, and, and uh, you know, it was nice. We heard leaders talking to each other that, that um, we have to believe in each other and, and have faith in each other and keep working hard. And that's... This is this is a great time for us to to really focus on talk to the team about it afterwards. That this is they're gonna this is gonna be a pivotal point in their life where they're gonna look back and reflect on the adversity they're facing now with this losing streak and being able to flip it and get this thing turned around and become better because of it. And not just in football, better in in all different ways. And that's the challenge now. And I'm excited for our guys to get it done. And I'm excited to, to look towards a new week. And and obviously. Proud of the way that we respond from last week to this week and, and looking forward to uh, a, a same type of improvement, if not better, for, for the game against Boise. Yeah, who knows when you're ever going to play Boise State again uh, after this week. Exactly, and it's a rivalry game. So, you know, we had one of those against Utah State. And so uh, what a great time to go, to play a rival game and, and, and get after it. And I think they're playing some really good defense right now. They they made some changes and uh, got some stuff going, and then they've had created some momentum. So... It's always going to be tough going up into Boise, but uh, you know we're excited about going up there and playing the game. And, and we remember when they came down here, so this is a good time for us to to have our type of you know slugfest with Boise. I loved seeing Michael Davis run out the flag. I loved seeing Andy Reid in the stands tonight. Uh, uh, those are those are proud members of the uh, of the Cougar family. Yeah, and love, love having them around. And you know they're just a. The alumni is amazing here, and especially the NFL alumni. We love having Mikey D here and and, and Coach Reed. Uh, they're always welcome. And but you know we we get to see all our alumni from even the ones that don't play in the NFL. But when those guys have a buy and have an opportunity to come down and visit us, it's extra special. And their their presence made a difference for us. And uh, obviously not enough to get the win, but we really appreciate. The fact that they're willing to spend time, come back and see us and be with the team and be with the boys. So thank you to, to Michael Davis and, and to Coach Andy Reid for being here. And thank you for your time, Kalani, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Kalani Sitake, head coach of the BYU Cougars. Cougars follow the ECU tonight by a final score of 27-24. Cougar Nation Now is coming up. BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, hashtag BYUCNN. If you want to drop a comment on Twitter, we'll toss a couple of them around and uh, give away a couple of half gallons of famous creamery ice cream as well. Greg and Riley and Mitch soon to join us upstairs here in the BYU uh, Built Bar broadcast booth. Cougar Nation Now is coming up next, hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. We even use the snail mail email, Cougar Nation Now at BYU.edu. Cougar Nation Now, one long word, Cougar Nation Now at BYU.edu. More from Provo coming up after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to the BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today.
Be a part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions to at Greg Rubel using hashtag BYUCNN. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens, and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. It is BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. Ryan Lundgren kicks us off. He says, as much as I don't like seeing BYU struggle, it might be better to go through this wake-up call now before entering the Big 12. How does BYU turn these struggles into growth? Riley Nelson, a thought or two on that. Because everyone expects there to be a yeah, what's a, your timeline a for growth? awakening in the Big Twelve <laughs> when you're playing nine office games and, of yeah. of P five level competition, and you're going through this kind of stuff against teams that aren't in the Big Twelve. Um, and and what might this do to kind of be a, a, a I don't know a kind of a, a preemptive whoa whoa we got to figure some things out here before you're really having to deal with it on a week to week. You got to get some dudes that move like Keaton Mitchell. If you can find him, right? And you got to convince him and get him here to BYU. And, and that's a G5 running back we're talking about that yeah. is legit. He looks like he has P5 ability. Yeah. And look, with those guys, I played with them at Utah State. Like, we had guys that, uh, now granted, we were, you know, and everyone's going to say, Riley, you were 1 and 11 your year at Utah State. Now, I, I know that. We had a lot of issues, but like, we had backs and we had receivers. A lot of them had issues with grades. Um, you know, that a lot of them had P5 interests, but they had grades, or maybe like Keaton. You know, Keaton's 184 now. I bet coming out of high school, he was probably 150 something. People, 5'8, 150, probably thought it was a little small, but the dude can move. You got to be able to find those guys. I, I feel like Liberty had a couple of those guys. Uh, I, of course, we saw Arkansas. They were, they had those, they didn't have guys that were quite as loose as that, but definitely guys who, you know, could move and were extremely big. But you got to recruit, and look, I, I think the, these, last couple years, um, 2020 and 2021, had us thinking that the five years that it took TCU and Utah, our former Mountain West conference mates, it took them about five years before they were really competitive um, in, in their perspective, in their respective P5 conferences. And we thought, oh, maybe we can skip the line a little bit because we're playing so well. And I, playing more... P5s. And playing more P5s in preparation, right? right? They were right. playing one a year, maybe right. another one in a bowl game, maybe yeah. getting two in a 13-game schedule, whereas BYU has been consistently playing you know, five to seven, so close to a P5 schedule. But this right. year's teaching it like, look, uh, all right, we might, we might get a flash uh, some the, uh, a little bit sooner than they did, but to consistently compete, which, by the way, they're both doing now. They're programs that yeah. are built on solid fundamentals with good head coaches, which I think BYU is. It's going to take some time. So, what can be done between now and then? Uh, honestly, and I look, this is this isn't blame. It's just sheer observation. They they have to find a way in their strength and conditioning to limit injuries, and especially limit non-contact soft tissue injuries. I gotta believe that in today's modern science world, that there, there's a way to prevent those to a higher degree than is currently being prevented. The violent collisions that have the broken bones, those are the nature of the game, and you take those with the brakes. But the number of non-contact soft tissue injuries that we see is it's too much for BYU, and they got to find a way there. So maybe start with that, and then the second thing is you got to have each of your coaches out pounding the pavement and just getting in recruiting 
just knock down, drag out recruiting battles to try and get uh, the level of athletes that we've seen on display at even G5 schools. Devin says on Twitter, hashtag BYUCNN, I feel the biggest disappointment today was the lack of aggressiveness by the offense at the end of the first half and then the offense going three and out after that big fourth down stop with about three minutes left in the game. Thoughts on those two specific possessions? And those two possessions that he references happen to both be uh, they were both three and outs. Um, uh, the, the one late in the second quarter, BYU gets the ball, 2.36 to play in a 17-17 ball game. So BYU's now going for middle eight, right? And in this case, middle seven, if you will, because they're going to get the ball the final three minutes of, this, of the first half. Uh, first play is Mason Wake for six. Second and four, Miles Davis for one. Third and three, Lopini Katoa for two. And from the BYU 27 on fourth and one, BYU punts. That was the 71-yard Ryan Rico punt. And ECU ended the half uh, with a couple plays of no consequence. So BYU does go three and out. And that big punt from Rico ends the half at 17-17. That was one... That was the one possession. The second comes with 3.54 to play in the game. The Cougs just got the stop. Back-to-back Keaton Mitchell carries off a third and two and a fourth and one. Turnover on downs, and then BYU goes three and out. And again, uh, Mason Wake involved. Uh, First play, Wake for four yards. Second play, uh, Rush for Lopini for four. Third and two, uh, Jaron Hall's hurried. And the throw to Mason Wake is kind of low. Maybe a bit behind. Mason can't haul it in. BYU then gets an illegal substitution penalty. They were already going to punt. They were backed up to fourth and seven, punted away, and that was when ECU had the ball for the final time in the game and wins the game. Those two possessions, two three and outs in this game, one at the end of the first half and one at the end of the second half for BYU. Riley, anything trigger you there? By the way, I should, well, here's, a, here's a trigger. Uh, I mentioned Mason Wake's name three times in those two sequences, and he had catches on two of them was targeted uh, one other time. No targets for Isaac Rex tonight. Unusual, right? That's glaring, but even, but first what jumps out to me is, all right, we're going to play a word associate, or on three, name BYU's best offensive player. One, two, three. Lopini okay. Katoa. Uh, <laughs> not tonight. Not tonight in general. Pukinakua. Pukinakua. Yeah, what? Well, I, I mean, middle eight, two huge drives, and... I mean, get get the ball to your guys. Uh, no, this is no offense uh, to to anybody because you need all eleven and you need everybody that's going to rotate. But I mean, in big spots, go down the list. Who are your best players? Like Puka is your biggest threat. Then you know you you kind of come down and you're like Jaron's probably number two. One of the things that I that I'm a little bit. There, there is no bootleg. Why, with as mobile as Jaron is, why, why is there no bootleg or naked package? Right, where you get on a big play fake and he comes out and he's got the option to run or pass. There's not that. They do, they do half boot shot, but those aren't really shots. So that's a token play action that's to buy time to allow the receivers to go down the field while you set up max protection. I'm talking about a real big boot you know, space. Play action. Yeah, get him out and get him space and get him one on one. But no, so I, I'm ranting now. But it's particularly those two drives, the absence of. Puka Nakua's name is uh, most glaring to me. That's a good point, though. On those two three-and-outs, Puka was not a part of any of those positions. Yeah. Well, and what was tough about this, too, and, and we saw this earlier in the game, but um, there were a number of third downs where, too, like, and Puka talked about, you know, not, not making the big play um, other than the wide-open pass, the broken coverage that he caught for a touchdown. Um, but one of, yes, Puka's a good deep ball threat, but I almost think he's more lethal 
just you know run a uh, you know give him an option route yeah. a um, hitch or a stick or uh, a, a, you know and let him catch the ball cuz every single time I mean he's he is one of the strongest receivers yeah. and most aggressive after the after the catch where if you need 3 hard yards a lot of times you think immediately hey we got to go to a running back and get the hard yards but why not give it to Puka who's really potentially even more explosive against uh, you know, a secondary is not going into, um, uh, you know, the, the front seven where the bigs are, and it's a little bit harder to get pushed. Mm-hmm. But Puka's always getting pushed on the outside because he's also going up against smaller defenders. And, and, and I completely agree on these. Um, these are third manageable. And that's, I think, why these these two specific drives were hard to swallow because BYU put themselves, they, they didn't backtrack. They were in a good position to um, to you know convert on a very manageable third down third and they three, just third and two yeah, yeah. And they, and they, those are those are all, they're not gimmies, they but they're they're high 70 percent like you got to convert on third and three third and two also i mean I, I, we're by the way just and this is the whole purpose of cougar nation now is to play armchair quarterback especially when you know teams in the midst of a fourth down streak so I, i'm gonna play that disclaimer i've been on the other side of that when i've been a player obviously I haven't been a coach but so, so you know i'll i'll take whatever the disclaimer is we're not in the room right but as as you look at it, you got Keanu Hill, who's what's he listed at? Six four, right? He's six four, two hundred yeah. plus pounds. He's got the build. He's got an extremely large catch radius. He's a big body wide receiver, dude. That screams like short, like short yardage possession receiver, right? Throw, get him on a quick in or a slant. Let him use his body to shield against that. You've got Isaac Rex, who in a Zach Wilson offense was used as a third down in a red zone threat because of the matchup issue that he posed. Now so he I, got twelve touchdowns, right? And now I don't know if his ankle injury is continuing to linger and they feel like he's not quite the player that he once was but you've got that guy we've already you know it's been well established with Puka Nakua like th- well, those dudes Chase it, Roberts is six four two, and we're not even seeing him really involved the the one screen that he had I mean an incredible field awareness on that play and and again he was I think was targeted twice um but just not, and then yeah, not he, utilized. Yeah, I, I mean, I know Chase is a big body. He's not quite as broad as Keanu, and I don't know that he's proven to to be a physical wide receiver. Maybe Keanu hasn't proven enough either. And I don't know what's going on in practice. I'm not in the room, but like, you know, you, you look at those three dudes that are proven commodities and Hill, Nakua, and Rex, and then you add the fact that put the ball in Jaron's hands to where he he can either go get it with his legs or with his brain or with his arm, and uh, and do that rather than you know, dumping it off to guys who are, are good, productive players, but they're not meant to be highlighted in those positions, uh, situations. Tweet, uh, a, t- a tweet in from uh, at Team Shep, not our Shep, says uh, Lou Holtz always says take the points. <laughs> he says, "Behold, you didn't take the three points. That was coaching and not players' effort." And Kalani already made quite clear he regrets yeah. not taking the field goal. Uh, after a 14-play, 68-yard, eight-minute drive, BYU got nothing out of that possession time. And uh, Kalani says, yeah. Uh, we, I, he say, I think he said we trusted the analytics on that one. He said, I, I should have taken the points. Well, and Are we sure they're points, though? That, that's, see, that, I mean, that's why, where why I come does, in. I mean, Jake Alderay makes one field goal, and all of a sudden we have 100% confidence. I don't know. Okay, it's 29 yards. I don't know, the, I don't know that Jake's missed inside 30. Um, that said, I, I think you're, you're – you're least, ex- I mean, uh, you, it's a fair point. It's not guaranteed, but yeah. it's 
Odds a, are. a good chance to take a lead in that game. Uh, and those three points obviously would have come handy the way things uh, the way things turned out. But I think, I I think am, Kalani's already addressed that point that he thought, yeah, on that particular sequence, fourth and two, he would have done that one differently. I, I agree, and I'm not disputing that it wasn't the right decision. All I'm saying is, that, and I, I am there exposing, are that he, that, yeah, yeah, and I'm exposing my my uh, my lack of trusting kickers' bias in college <laughs> football. Like I just I watch too many games on Saturday. I've watched too many games in my life. I've been a part of too many games where it's on the where it's on the foot of a college kicker. And they can't come through, and so I don't think you can't you can't evaluate that situation the same way, say an NFL team would. Yeah, but it, but I, I think the the the, the, the point sentiment that, is you're overthinking yeah. it. You're getting too. But there's a reason why any yeah. coach would think, well, maybe we should go for it. They've been through enough of these things already with kickers this year. Uh, but the short yardage situation, I think, is one that I mean, whether it's fourth and one or fourth and two or third and three or third and two, BYU had way too many tonight short yardage situations that didn't go their way. Um, when you're talking about, generally speaking, higher percentage situations uh, over time. We'll take a break. Hashtag BYUCNN if you want to reach us. Hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. You can also reach us on the email CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. At the tail end of our next segment, we'll uh, give you a trivia question. Good for two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream it is. BYU Creamery's Cougar Nation Now. Greg and Riley and Mitch with you. ECU 27, BYU 24, our final score. Cougs have lost four in a row. The last time BYU and ECU played, the ECU win in 2017 was the final game in BYU's seven-game losing streak. We hope here in 22 that this ECU game is the final game in BYU's losing streak. They'll have to get back uh, and do it on the blue at Boise State next Saturday to end this little slide. We'll take a break and more Cougar Nation now after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Cougar fan Chris Butters on the email, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu, says, Boy, it's tough to find many encouraging upsides after this loss. It seems that the team's woes have become a game of whack-a-mole with improvements being negated by new setbacks, particularly on defense. What has to happen, Chris asks, and what can realistically happen heading into the first season in the Big 12 for BYU to be competitive at a higher level after this season's step backward? And just by the record, it's going to be a step backward. BYU's coming off of uh, back-to-back double-digit win seasons, and uh, and the best they can do uh, at this point is finish with eight. Uh, if they were to win out, they would be uh, they'd be eight and five, including a bowl win. Any thoughts on that question, if it uh, resonated with you at all, guys, Mitch or Riley? Yeah, the, the first thing that I'll talk about, um, the first thing that comes to mind is, and it's not, and I'm not going to pinpoint the lack of success that BYU has been having the last couple of weeks strictly on injuries and depth, but um, I think going into the Big 12, whether it's the strength and conditioning staff, whether it's whatever it may be, there needs to be, BYU needs to figure out how to keep guys healthy for longer. I mean, you know, there were certain players on the field today that we have never even called their names before. And Mitch it, and I are not in cahoots. He <laughs> was on his way up here when I said that on the radio. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh. That was the first thing I said when Greg, when we kicked it off, as soon as you signed up for the Kalani, started coming up here. That was what I said. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, it's evident. Like the, there's, there's just not, um, you, you can't create consistency when, um, 
Tuli, Chaz, um, Wilgar, they're not playing. I mean, that's, these are key players. You've got Malik Moore. You've got um, on offense, Gunner. You've got uh, Chris... Chris Brooks, uh, Cody Epps. I mean, there's, there's, there are way too many players that are just not in uniform and, and playing in a cons- in, in, every single Saturday, and, and it's gonna, it's gonna play an effect, especially with a BYU program where um, depth hasn't been their strong suit up to this point, and so um, that, that's one of the things I think that has to be fixed. It's got to be uh, addressed, and because you got to keep these players healthy for a long season, which is going to be very competitive here in the next year. Can I just share a little bit of insight on that? Um, and cut me off if I get a little bit too long here. But w- when you look at the top recruits and you look at the professional football players, right, and, and uh, you have linebacker. You mentioned the two linebackers. So let's use a linebacker, yep. right? Like, I don't know who we want to talk. Mike, Micah Parsons. Let's say Micah Parsons never found out about football. The fact is his genetics are he would still be – and I don't even know his measurables, right? But he's what, probably 6'3", 230? He would still be walking around 6'3", 230. Like he is truly built that way. Now, Micah Parsons, of course, we're talking about one of the best football players. In our, so there's not that many of him. But you do have guys that are built that – there are enough guys out there for BYU – going into the Big 12 that they need to go target. You need to go get the guys that whether they're hitting the weights every day or not, and not all, you're not going to fill a full roster full of them, but ideally you're getting your, your, your one deeps that they're built that way. One of the issues, in my opinion, why we have so, much, so, many, and, uh, so many issues with, uh, with injuries is we get dudes like uh, Ben Bywater probably doesn't play football. He's probably walking around at 6'2", 200 pounds, right? You well, look at Peyton Wilgar. Max like, Tooley. Yeah. <laughs> he's put on weight to be, what, 215? To be 215, yeah. right? you got a linebacker playing at 215. And so we are constantly at BYU. We get these athletes. They're good ball players, uh, but they're just a little undersized or they're, you know, they, they are a little bit light for their position or this or that. And so then they have to work extra hard in the weight room, which creates wear and tear on the body. They have to carry around weight that they're not genetically predispositioned to carry. And then those things things all increase the likelihood that you know their 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 engines are running at rpms that are higher than some of the opponents especially in the p5 world then last thing to answer his question so that's a little bit of a dynamic that i wanted our listeners to understand and that's a progression that hopefully we see on the roster as byu gets into the big 12 uh what needs to happen transfer portal pass rushers you have to we got to do something and that means like you got to put pressure on the quarterback, especially in the Big 12. Go, BYU fans, now that we played on Friday, go watch as many Big 12 games as you can tomorrow. The teams that win are the teams that can get and disrupt the quarterback. Now, everybody still gets their yards. Everybody still throws it around in the Big 12. But the teams that win, get pe- they get pressure on the quarterback with their front four. That is the formula. Quite honestly... It's a formula I thought that with Kalani being part of Sac Lake City and all those great pass rushes up at the University of Utah, I thought he w- we would see it by now at BYU. We absolutely haven't. And, no, and, and I, I think the guys that we have on the defensive line give great effort, but they just are not built. They don't have the speed. They don't have the reach. They don't have the agility to put together a repertoire of pass moves to consistently put pressure on a quarterback as defensive linemen. And you, you need that if you're going to be successful in the Big 12. 100%. BYU last sacked the quarterback in September. Holy cow. Don't tell me that. No sacks against Notre Dame. No sacks against Arkansas. No sacks against Liberty. No sacks against ECU. 
And these aren't teams that are like just, you know, all their passes are lateral and they're all throwing screens and the ball's never in the quarterback's hand. In fact, the opposite, these quarterbacks are sitting back there. I mean, well, I, all you, these quarterbacks had career days. Career days against, against yeah. Because the, the Notre Dame quarterback hadn't even played. Right. And then he looked K- like, he looked like an all star. And then KJ Jefferson, Jefferson looked like an all star. Yep. And uh, the, it was the backup for Liberty yeah. that had his career high in completions. He had, yeah, 80, he, was, he he had seven. He had his career high was seventeen. He had that in the first half. Yeah. You know, number of completions. Hmm. I, I don't know if it was a career night tonight for uh, Aylers because you know he's played so many games. Probably not, but boy, he you know he had a pretty decent stat line. Yeah, that's uh, that's remarkable though. Um, and and now BYU's not being sacked a lot by the opponent, but still they they, they have four. Over the last four games, where BYU has zero, so no sacks in the month of October for BYU this year. Uh, Cameron Sorensen with an email, and then we'll take a break. He says, "Seems like every game Jaron is throwing to edges, outs, corners, and swings. Typically, tight end. He says should own the middle of the field. Is it vision, confidence, risk mitigation that Jaron doesn't throw over the middle? Cody Epps, he says, was getting the ball in that area before his injury. Does Jaron worry about tip balls to picks?" Uh, tip balls or picks, or does the offense just focus on the edges? And uh, tonight, I think is maybe maybe just borderline outlier for the season. But tonight, um, of passes that crossed the line of scrimmage, BYU was ten for fifteen to the outside and one for two over the middle. I don't think I, I've been I've been paying a lot of attention to this, Greg, and I've conceded the fact. So. This has been this has been such a big deal for me that I even went and looked back like at my turnover numbers and my tur- in 2012 my turnovers my turnover numbers were pretty bad. All right, so I will own that. If I could go back and replay uh, certain sections of my career, I would have been more conscientious about uh, uh, taking care of the football. I, unfortunately, at that time, I played with a rubato that I always felt like I could come back from it. Right, like you had to kind of take the good with the bad. Um, but so I, I admired uh, a lot what Aaron Roderick and Jaron Hall have done by way of that, but he hits it on the head. It's risk mitigation. It's it it is tip balls. Don't don't let the defensive line affect the passing game or have any role in the passing game other than a pass rush. And just don't throw over the middle of the field because that's where you have more defenders. But it is. Uh, Teams know the, the scouting report is out, right? It was the game one of the World Series tonight. Just like a pitcher knows where all the holes in your swings are, they know that's a hole in the BYU offense, and so nobody worries about uh, the middle about defending the pass over the middle of the field. They can play their corners where they cheat to the outside to make it more difficult to complete passes on the outside, and then it also allows them to play more games with their middle linebackers because they don't have to worry about middle linebackers getting depth into the seam zones and guarding you know crossers over the middle of the field. You own the middle of the field, right, Mitch? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it, 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 if it's well-practiced and a quarterback has good ke- chemistry with his wide receiver, it can be used incredibly effectively. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's, you've, it, the middle of the field, it's, it, it's all feel. It, it's all feel. It's practice. It's repetition. It's, it's an understanding of coverages and, and where to, you know, even flows of coverages, too. So you can work across and against them to find the biggest holes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it takes practice. It takes repetition. And... Um, but uh, but it pays guys, dividends. It does, 100%. Uh, before the break, and we will get the uh, trivia question here in a moment, uh, Cougar Chaps says, do you notice a lack of creativity on the fourth down calls? BYU uh, came into tonight 127th in, uh, in fourth down conversion percentage and, uh, and obviously had, a cup, had troubles on a couple of key uh, fourth downs tonight or I at will least s- put themselves in tough spots. I will say I, it, was, it was a 
it was unfortunate that they didn't that they didn't convert on the quarterback sneak. I love the quarterback sneak call on fourth down. I mean, I'm sure the the conversion percentage on fourth and shorts quarterback sneaks. They, I mean, it's very very high, and so you, I, you can't really argue that call. Um, and, 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 it was, and, and it was tempo. It may not it be was, the most. It was yeah, tempoed as well. It may not be the most creative play call, but it's it's probably the most efficient. And so on that fourth and short, I mean, it def, I definitely don't fault them. I like it too, but Jaron's about my size, and in, in college football you're getting to the point of about a little bit too small. And, and you look and you're like, well, Brady's not a big dude. No, Brady's got a big frame and he's tall and long. Those are the quarterbacks that tend to have mm-hmm. that tend to have more success than the quarterbacks. It's taller for a guy who's, you know, somewhere in the six foot, six one range. It's it's harder to um to do that unless you got a real great wedge at the guard center guard, which, you know, BYU doesn't obviously you know, I mean I when was the last time we used to see and granted it was the COVID year and you had Zach Wilson and some of this stuff, but we used to see a lot of creativity on fourth down, a lot of window dressing, and I feel like some of that has disappeared. Now that happens when you're when you're not executing at a high level. You gotta you, you feel like as an offensive staff and as a play call, it's like we gotta hunker down and we have to we have to forego all of that creativity in Pair the name down of to, yes, so that yeah. we can execute. And there was a couple early fourth downs during this season. I remember Kalani making comments post game, or maybe it was in press conferences of of them saying, "Yeah, maybe we got a little bit too cute. We got to go back to the basics." And I think that's where they found themselves right now. But he brings up a good point with, with that said though i and, and you mentioned it before i would love to see play action on a on a third and short a fourth and yep. short with how much we have pounded it between the tackles mm. on those like i mean i think bou's primed for some sort of play action boot you've got some draggers like and then at that point jaron again you mentioned it can be smart um and you've got options to put yourself in a position to convert if, if you do that. Hey, I know Coach Roderick and Coach Sataki don't listen to our post-game show. <laughs> They're not looking for <laughs> advice from us. But you know what they need? Rather than hurry sneak, they need hurry ice, meaning hurry hard count for those third and shorts. You hurry to it. It's not the same as kind of breaking the huddle and coming out to it. It's more effective. You hurry to it. The defense is frantic. They're all getting there. You, everybody gets foot to foot. You form a wedge. Everybody in the whole stadium's thinking sneak. And what does the D-line got to think? If he's expecting sneak, I got to get off the ball and I got to get low, right? And so, what does that lead to? Hard count, guy falls into the neutral zone. All you got to do is, you know, he touched the hand of your guard, and boom, first and ten. First and uh, ten. Time for our inside scoop trivia, brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. By the way, before I give you the question, uh, third consecutive game in which BYU's failed to score in the fourth quarter. Got to finish. Doesn't gotta, matter how you gotta start. start Got to finish, and uh, and and uh, putting them both together has been in, uh, tough lately. All right, here we go. Courtesy of Ralph Sokolowski. Here's your question. This is for two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. As always, the correct answer has to come in on uh, using the hashtag BYUCNN. Hashtag BYUCNN, and the first one I see on the timeline with that uh, hashtag. First correct answer. As long as you haven't already won this year. You'll win the ice cream, all right? Currently, 13 BYU players have combined to set or tie 22 current NCAA records. Which BYU player holds the most? Which BYU player is listed most in the NCAA record book for records held or tied? 13 BYU players have combined to set or tie 22 current NCAA records. Which BYU player 
is listed the most times? That's your question. First correct answer, hashtag BYUCNN wins two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. We'll come back with an answer and a winner after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. All right, every once in a while, uh, one of our uh, skill testing trivia questions confounds the audience. And tonight's one of those nights. And it's Cougar so- Nation takes L's too. The team takes them on the field. Sometimes in Cougar Nation trivia, uh, BYU Creamery trivia. It's so much. It's so much so that even Riley didn't get the answer tonight, and he's always the first one to first one to tweet in. Uh, so the question is this: Currently, thirteen BYU players are listed as having set or tied a combined twenty-two NCAA records. Which BYU player is listed in the record book the most, or rather, which BYU player holds or ties or has tied the most NCAA records as of right now, as of today? And I will tell you that we've received many answers, many, many answers. On the Twitter using hashtag BYUCNN, and none of them have been correct. None of them have been right. The most common submission, Ty Detmer. Because once upon a time, he owned like a gazillion. 50 plus. And Jim McMahon is the next most common. 79 guest because plus. Once, once upon a time, he owned a gazillion as well. But it's neither Jim McMahon nor Ty Detmer. Nor is it Dennis Pitta, one suggestion. Nor is it Tyler Algier, which is a little off under the radar, but uh, also incorrect. Uh, Nor is it Steve Young. Uh, Nor is it Zach Wilson or any other Wilson that has played at at BYU. Nor is it Max Hall, has been suggested. So, uh, yeah, no one's gotten it. And and no one will get it (laughs) unless we maybe help them along. Can we give one of the records that this person holds? Do we know that? We know all of these things. Uh, Gordon Hudson suggested incorrect. Uh, Max Hall, Lee Johnson, wrong and wrong. All, all those much respect. Okay, like outside okay. of Jim and Ty, I, I, will, I will list one of the records. Is that okay? Yeah, I'll list one of the records. He is listed as having tied the record for um, a quarterback gaining a hundred yards rushing and passing for four hundred yards in the same game. So rush for 100-plus, yeah. pass for 400-plus. Number plus. of times that he's done it? No, it's, it's the number of quarterbacks that have done it. Okay, And he's one of them that has done it uh, the most times. So uh, Yeah, how it, many times? Well, it's not important. Oh, it happened okay. one time. It happened one time. Okay, okay and so that's it, the record. Yeah, yeah. He shares it with other guys. With other guys, exactly right. And having said that, now all the, ans- all, now all the correct answers are pouring in. And, and I'd like Who was to, listening most closely? Yeah, and... and uh, Generally speaking, if somebody said Hill and somebody said Taysom Hill, we should give it to the person that says Taysom Hill. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. All right. So, uh, Cade Scoresby. Has Cade already won this year? Who? I don't know. I don't know. Give it to him. Okay. Cade Scoresby, you're the winner. Taysom Hill. Here are the four records. By the way, the answer is four, and Taysom Hill holds it. Here are the records he currently holds or is tied for, and they're all ties, by the way. Um, and he's one of two players – on the same team, each gaining a thousand yards rushing in the same season. He did it, and Jamal did it in the same season in 2013. So he's listed there. He's also listed for a guy being a hundred yards rush, 400 yards pass. He did that against Houston. He's also listed for gaining a thousand yards rushing and two thousand yards passing in a season. 
He did that in 2013. And he's also listed for gaining 2,000 yards rushing and 4,000 yards passing for a career. Those are his records. Four of them. These are... Uh, oh, maybe I haven't been doing this long enough. You think they're a little too boutique, a little too? Uh, well, no, they're just they're just unique statistical categories. When I think, when I think, uh, it's like most record. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or like, you know, as long as the had, NCAA is going to continue, yeah, keep to, it. Can, you know, great. consider combining feats of, of athletic prowess, then he's in there. Keep keep, keep Taysom in there. Yeah. And, so there it is. Uh, Kate Scorsby, hey, you're the man. He's uh, here. <laughs> This should have been it. This will be next week's. So tune in. No, I'm kidding. It won't be. Who are <laughs> the only two players in the NFL to have passed for, run for, and received the a touchdown? Only two? Only two players in, in the season. NFL. No, this season. This season. And they're both BYU guys. It's Zach and Taysom. Oh, Zach, no Zach Wilson yeah. and Taysom Hill. Is that great? <laughs> I love that one, too. Not next week question. All right. Uh, congratulations, Cade. Uh, what I'll do is I will... Um, uh, you'll get a DM from me, and then you'll DM me back, and we'll take care of all your ice cream deets. All right? So way to go. Yeah, Taysom Hill, four current NCAA records. What yeah. a beast. Riley doesn't like when you have to parse it that much to get into the record book. But. Well, no, I just, uh, you know, it's, like I said, a record was like no one has done more than this in yeah. any certain thing. And this, these are just incredible feats of But you're not, like, angry whatever. or bitter about it. You're just, no, not at all. just making an observation. Well, I just, I really, I need to know, am I one of the 13 that holds it? Maybe the guy, maybe the guy to, uh, let's see, what, and speaking of Boise, to have four turnovers, turnovers and a half, and then throw four <laughs> touchdowns because later that game against Idaho, who was terrible, threw four touchdowns in the first half against Idaho. So has anyone had four turnovers and a half, and then four touchdowns and a half later in that season? That should be in the record. Look, look that up, Ralph. Okay. Uh, hey, Ralph, and we thank Ralph for being part of our crew Yuck, tonight. The blue turf. Sorry, Greg. I'm having flashbacks after bringing back my own bad memories. We may never see the blue turf. Sorry, again Cougar after, Nation. After next, uh, after next uh, oh, that Saturday, was a rough one. All right. Uh, our crew back at BYU Radio, our control board operators, Logan Gardner and Sean O'Neill, our coordinating producer, Terry South. Sean O'Neill uh, doing double duty over at BYU Radio, managerial and technical tonight. Our broadcast intern over at BYU Radio, Jared Call, as well. Here uh, at BYU, we had uh, Barry Squires engineering in Cougar Canyon. We had Michael Wimmer engineering in the booth with assistance from Clark Jackman. We had our broadcast intern, Shiloh Johnson, our special broadcast assistant, Nick Gurney, tonight, still with us, way past his bedtime. Uh, we had our scoreboard host and Cougar Canyon host, Jason Shepard. We had our statistician, Ralph Sokolowski, our spotter, McKay Perry. Is that everybody except for these guys? Is that everyone? All right. And then that only leaves the man to my far left. Riley Nelson. The man to my near left. Mitchell Jurgens, And me, Greg Rubel, saying thank you for tuning in. Sorry we couldn't bring you a win tonight, folks. BYU falls to ECU by a final score of 27-24. Back with you next Saturday from the blue in Boise for BYU and Boise State. So I am Greg Grubel saying in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long from Provo, Utah.